Count your blessings. You know what? That's what we ought to do this week is count our blessings. And we are so blessed here in America. I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of Romans, chapter number 1. Romans chapter 1. If you are a Bible student, you know where this message is going because Romans chapter 1 is pretty much spelled out on the sins that are in America today. And uh, I thought as I preached today, the preaching a Thanksgiving message, but we've done that every Thanksgiving for about 10 years. We're going to preach a barn burner today. I pray the Lord keeps me in the right frame of mind, the right spirit, the right heart, and let me preach this message in love. And, uh, but it's still the Word of God. We're going to be in the Bible. We're not going to be in politics, but we are going to be in the Word of God. I want to bring you a message this morning. We'll not back down from what I'm about to say. When liberty turns liberal. When liberty becomes liberal. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day. We thank you for your blessings, Lord. You've been so good to us. You've poured out your mercy and grace and love on us. We praise you for that. Now, Lord, as we turn to the Word of God, there are many who want to skip these scriptures. There are many who turn their backs on these scriptures. They won't preach them from the pulpit. Churches have gone soft. Pulpits have gone easy. And, Lord, I pray that you'd keep us in the Word of God this morning, but help us to do it in love and compassion. Give us maturity as we preach these great truths from the Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, I want to say this. We'll start with liberty. Thank God this morning for liberty. I'm grateful for freedom. And so we realize that our God is the God of freedom. Amen. Jesus, let me tell you something. If you're lost this morning and sin has you bound, Jesus will set you free. Jesus will liberate you. He came preaching. We saw that a couple of weeks ago in Isaiah 61. He came to set at liberty the captives. I say, praise God, I'm free this morning from the clutches of sin, Satan. I'll never go to hell because of what Christ has done on the cross. That's enough to praise him for. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 17, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But along the, here's where we want to go. Along with liberty comes responsibility. Along with freedom comes accountability. And I want to illustrate that like this. You and I have been given the liberty today, the freedom. It has been fought for, died for. You have the freedom today to walk out of this church, get in your car, and drive anywhere in this nation you want to go. That's wonderful. You have that liberty. You have that privilege. But if you abuse that privilege and break the laws of the United States of America that have been established for highway safety, you might lose that privilege. Are you all with me? I mean, if you get out here and start running stop signs and going too fast and reckless driving, you may lose the liberty and the privilege to drive because you're endangering the life of someone else. Somebody say Amen. So we understand that liberty needs laws. Same with a firearm. I don't have my firearm today, but uh, I didn't see anybody that looked like a terrorist, so I just... (laughs) But listen, I have the privilege to own a firearm, but I'm to never use a gun unsafe or to endanger the life of someone else. That's a liberty, that's a privilege, and I need to use that liberty and that privilege in a responsible manner. 
The same is true in the Christian life for us. Amen. God has liberated me from all sin, liberated me from Satan, liberated me from even myself, but I am not to use that liberty as an occasion to the flesh. I'm not to use that liberty as an occasion to sin. We are not free to break the laws of God. The principle here is this. Let me just read it to you from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty... Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Don't, Christian, don't you test the grace of God. I mean, listen, grace has been poured out, forgiveness has been poured out, and and the, the worst thing I can do is say, well, God will forgive me, I'll just go ahead and do this and ask for forgiveness later. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. Isn't that a good saying that we hear a lot? I visited the jail one time. And as I went in the jail, the uh, police officer or the officer in charge said, said, Preacher, watch the the young man in cell block three of the top level of the jail. He said he hates God. He hates Christians. And every time we give him a Bible, he sets it on fire in his cell. I knew what I was facing. I said, it's okay. So I go up to that man's cell, and uh, I had some tracts and was going to talk to him about the Lord. And boy, he got on the bars, and he was gritting his teeth. He said, I hate your God. I hate your Christ. And I said, I said whoa. I said, what's, you know, what's the problem? He said, the principle in, the, in that Bible, and he'd been reading it some, is that I could go out here and rape 30 women and say, God, forgive me, and it'd be okay. I could go out here and rob a bank and, and God, say, God, forgive me. I could go kill somebody and say, God, forgive me. I said, let me tell you something. What you don't understand is when you get saved and you come to Christ, you don't want to do those things. God does not give us liberty to, to hurt someone else. Amen. God does not give, God's, God has laws that govern liberty. But I'm preaching about national sin, and I'm about to get there in just a minute. What happens when a nation becomes so liberal and so sinful that it stinks corruption in the nose of God? I'm going to tell you something. That nation will soon lose its liberty. If you don't believe that, read in the Old Testament about how Israel, God would bless Israel, God would liberate Israel, they would be free from all the surrounding uh, nations, but yet they would use their liberty as an occasion to the flesh. They would use their liberty to sin, and God would let another nation punish the nation of Israel. I'm preaching to America. I'm not preaching to Israel this morning, but the example is Israel. The example is Israel for America. Somebody say amen. Amen. When liberty becomes liberal, do not think you can break God's law without punishment. Amen. Do not think that we as an individual or as a society can become loose, licentious, or liberal and get away with it. There is still a God on the throne of heaven who is the judge of all the earth. And the judge of all the earth, the Bible says, will do right. 
Sometimes you and I, and I'll just get down on a personal level, we sin, we think we can get by, we think, we think God won't see. But you hear me this morning, God has a threshold, amen. God has a tolerance level. And when he bestows upon us spiritual freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ, we, you and I had better understand that he holds us accountable for our actions. Amen. The Bible says that every idle word will be given an account of. First Peter 4, 5 says this, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. We understand that God will judge not only his people, but God will judge the world. For John said, I saw the small and the great stand before God, the big and the little, the rich and the poor, the small and the great. There is not a person who will not stand before God and give an account of himself. We better watch how we use our liberty. So we glean from all of that, that's an introduction, that freedom is the ability to choose, but maturity is the ability to responsibly use that freedom. And we ought to responsibly use that freedom. But what happens when a liberty turns liberal, loose? Licentious. What happens when a free country begins to sin against laws? What happens when we use our freedom to thumb our nose in the face of God and say, we're going to go our own way. We're going to make our own laws. We don't care what your law says about homosexuality. We don't care what your law says about abortion. We don't care what your law says about hotbed immoral sins. Uh, we're going to go our own way. What happens when a country rejects the laws of God and sets up the laws of society that are in error against this book. The judgment of God is not far to follow. So let's take a look at liberal views and how they are formed. Romans chapter 1 is very plain on liberal views. You say, preacher, you're, pre you're preaching a political message. I am not preaching a political message. I'm going to be straight in the word of God. Here we go. Romans 1, 16, we got to start there. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Paul begins by making a bold statement that he's not ashamed of his faith. May I just say to you this morning, I am not ashamed of my faith. I'm not ashamed of my Bible. I'm not ashamed of my conservative views that are biblically founded. I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to back down from them. I don't care what the government says, the Today Show says, Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Phil. I do not care what they think. My Bible is right. And so Paul says, I'm not ashamed. And what he's about to say, he's going to start preaching on sin, on liberal views, on, on the liberal living. And he says, first of all, let me make sure that you understand I'm not bothered by your opinion. My opinion is based on the word of God. And I say, amen, Paul. So Paul says in Romans 1.18, he begins to say this. Read it with me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against how much ungodliness? 
all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The Bible reveals to us the wrath of God against all, A-L-L, sin. Let me just say it like this. Sin is still sin. I don't care if you wrap it in a political package, it's sin. I don't care if you wrap it in an economic package, sin is still sin. I don't care if you wrap it in a social package, sin is still sin. I don't care if it's an elephant or a donkey, red or blue, sin is still sin. Period. Amen. And the wrath of God, the Bible says, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Look at verse 19. Because that, here's the bottom line of a liberal view. Let me say that real carefully. Here's the bottom line of a liberal view of morality. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. The first step in taking a liberal view of sin is to deny the existence of God. Let me say that again. The Bible is very clear. The first step in taking an extreme liberal view is to deny the existence of God, to deny that intrinsic, internal, inherent, inborn knowledge that there is a God in heaven. Amen. The Bible says the fool, I didn't say it, God said it. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. There's no bigger fool than an atheistic fool. Amen, preacher. To deny that we are creatures of a creator, to deny that there is an intelligent design. Listen, God created us with a capacity to know him. There has never been a man, woman, boy, or girl ever lived on the face of planet earth that did not have the capacity to know God. We're all created with that capacity. And God created us with that because he wanted fellowship with us. We are a spiritual, we are, he is a triune God, we are a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. And our spirit longs to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's where our spirit is. But no, the Bible says, know ye that he is God, Psalm 103. He, the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. To deny God, you don't only have to deny God, you have to deny yourself. Because you have an inherent, inborn nature to know God. You have to deny yourself to deny God. And that's who we're dealing with here is people who have denied God and denied themselves. Verse 21, because that, when they knew God, they knew God. They had a capacity for God. They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Oh, that fits Thanksgiving week, does it not? Who is an atheist thankful to? How can you show, if you have gratitude for life or you have gratitude for, for the blessings that you enjoy for a good life, who are, if you don't believe in God, if you reject God, who are you thankful to? Who are you grateful to? So let's read the scripture. Because that when they knew God, they had a capacity to know God, 
They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became, watch this word. I want you to write some things in here. Get ready with your pen. They became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Watch the internal knowledge here. They knew there was a God, but they showed no gratitude. The result of that was their mind, vain imaginations. Here what, here's what I want you to write in your Bible. Here's what vain imaginations mean. It means they got a warped mind. The person who rejects God through Jesus Christ, has a warped mind. I didn't say it. God said it. I believe it. Amen, preacher. When they knew God, they, they glorified him not as God, but they became vain in their imaginations. That word is the word dialogismos. It means they became vain and their imaginations. They became vain in their reasoning. They became vain in their opinions. They became vain in their philosophies. Look at the next verse. 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Can I say it like this? And I'm not correcting the King James Bible. But I'm going to inject some, some words that... It, that it, will inject there. Professing themselves to be educated, they became fools. Professing themselves to be so intelligent, they became fools. Professing themselves to be crafty, smart, they became fools. The worst fool is a clever fool. The worst fool is a clever fool who says there is no God. We have to conclude from that phrase that liberalism is not just an alternative political statement. It's not just a cultural statement. It's not just a social view. It is a rejection of biblical principles and a rejection of God himself. The Bible says in verse 23, look at that. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Vain imaginations. What, what did that mean? Vain imaginations. Dialogismos. It means their philosophies. Their warped mind. They changed the... Uh, uncorruptible God into an image made like uncorruptible man. Listen, it's vain imaginations to say that we evolved from creeping things. Amen. It's vain imaginations to say that you were an amoeba that grew an arm and a leg and a nose and mine grew a little bigger than most people's. It's vain imaginations to say that. It's vain imaginations. It's living. What is vain imaginations? Another word for that is living in a fantasy world. When you reject God, you begin to live in a fantasy world. Why do we have people, men pretending to be women today? Vain imaginations. I'm in the Word of God. Why do we have people with alternative lifestyles today? Because they have vain imaginations. They live in a fantasy world. Boy, I'm, I'm preaching. No apologies. Why do we have people living with an imaginary worldview? They think they're a cat and they want a litter box at school. 
Vain imaginations, pipe dreams, fairy lands. And they want us to pretend with them that their fairy tale is true. Amen. I say hey to that too, praise God. <laughs> Wherefore, look what happens, verse 24. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Watch this. When they said there's no God, we're not going to answer to God. We're going to write our own Bible. We're going to write our own laws. We don't care about morals. We, we care about feelings, emotions. That's where we're all at today, right? When they say that, the Bible says, look at the phrase, God gave them up. Wow. There's no greater dishonor to the human body than to change its gender or to use it for an alternative lifestyle. They dishonored their body. They didn't just dishonor God. They dishonored their body. Amen, preacher. I'm melting some people down, but I don't really care. Here we go. Gender roles are evident since the beginning of time when God created man in the Garden of Eden. He created them male and female. Gender roles are very evident. Gender roles are evident when you are born. It doesn't even take a doctor with a Ph.D. to know whether you are a boy or a girl. Amen, preacher. They are assigned, gender roles are assigned by God. It is vain imaginations to live in a role in a world where, where there are gender reassignments. Amen, vain imaginations. It's vain imaginations to play along for me to play along with your fictional microcosm. Yes, sir. Watch verse 25. We're going to give you another one. I'm melting somebody down over here. Must be a liberal. <laughs> here we go. Watch this. I want you to write another word in your Bible. Verse number 25. Who changed. Right above the word changed. Reassigned. Now let's read it with that word in there. Who reassigned, changed. It's the same word. I'm just using a more modern term. Who reassigned the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul even amens himself when he talks about reassigning. Reassigning gender roles, reassigning alternative lifestyles. They reassigned the truth of God into a lie. Verse 26, for God, for this cause, God gave them up. There it is again, the words give them up to vile affections. What's the biblical definition of vile affections? Here we go, pulling no punches, taking off the gloves. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. That's number one, talking about homosexuality. We'll read it in just a minute, next verse. Number two 
it's talking about a woman being unnatural. Let me tell you something. It is unnatural for a woman to want to kill her baby. It's unnatural. It's not just ungodly. It's unnatural. And we're living in a world where women love their own body, their own lifestyle, their own plans, their own desires more than they love that baby. That's unnatural. Can I just tell you something? My wife has got such a natural love for her youngins, she can't stand it. I mean, she wants to be with them. She wants to call them. She wants to cuddle them. And they're 30 years old, man. (laughs) That's natural. It's natural. So God says he gives them up to vile affections, verse number 27. And likewise, the men. Boy, you don't hear this from the pulpit much, but you're going to get it from this one. And, And likewise, to the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, Burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meat. My goodness alive. I ain't never looked at a hairy-legged man with lust, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Praise God. Andrew come along, he was about three years old, and he tugged on my coattail, and he said, Dad, when I grow up, all the people that I'm going to marry is going to be women. I said, praise God. (laughs) We are on the right track, son. Amen. Oh, but here's another liberal agenda. You say you're in politics. I'm in the Word of God. The liberal agenda is the promotion of homosexuality, the promotion of alternative lifestyles, attempting to nurture, promote, and develop sinful lifestyles. Listen, they're not just approving it, they're pushing it on us. They're striving to forcibly pressure us to change our conscience, our principles, and our standards. Nobody's going to force anything on my conscience. Amen. Listen. What do we study first? I am at liberty in Jesus Christ. I will not be incarcerated to someone else's alternative philosophies. And here we go. And the Bible says that when they burn in their lusts one toward another, that they do things that are unseemly. Here's another thing to write in your Bible. You don't have to write this word, but I'll give you some more. Unseemly. The word unseemly is the word Askemosone. It almost sounds like an Indian word, but it's the Greek word, askemosone. What does it mean? When God said, I'm going to turn you over to work that which is askemosone, here's what it means. It means, and I got it straight from the lexicon, okay? So these are not my words. These are words from the lexicon. Unseemly, indecent, lewd, shameful, and deformed behavior. Let me give you those words again. Indecent, lewd, shameful, and deformed behavior. (laughs) My goodness. The scripture pronounces here that they're going to receive retribution for their delusional sins and inevitably God will judge them for allowing themselves to be deceived by the devil 
To first of all, say there's no God. Second of all, cast off his morals. Third of all, cast away his principles. Amen. I'm not preaching against people. I'm preaching against sin. I'm preaching when liberty becomes liberal. What happens to a nation when it becomes so sinful against God? They promote these things. We're not talking about hotbed political ideas. We're talking about right and wrong. Let me say that again. We are not talking about hotbed political ideas, although they are. We're talking about right and wrong, light and darkness, good and evil. I'm in the Word of God. So, when they, you listen. You don't have to turn past Genesis 19 to see what God thinks of sodomy. I, don't rewrite the word. You don't have to turn past Leviticus 18 where God says all of the nations that were occupying Palestine, I'm about to, about to melt some other liberals down. All of the nations that were occupying the land of Palestine had become so wicked just like Sodom and God told Israel, go in there and displace those people. I'm going to give this land to you. They're so sinful, I can't stand it. That's how Israel got their land. Amen, preacher. Oh, preacher, you say, man, you're really into politics. I'm in the word of God. And so God destroyed the nations who committed such things and gave their land to Israel. Now I'm about to close the message, but I want, and I want to say this before I close. I preach hard against sin. If this book says it's sin, I, I, I don't question that. I don't change that. I preach hard against sin. But it's not my duty to judge somebody else. It's my duty to preach. It's my duty to stand on what's right. But it's not my duty to sit in judgment on somebody else. Matter of fact, look at Romans chapter 2. There's a warning there. Romans chapter 2 verse 1. We'll flip back to Romans 1. Watch Romans chapter 2. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doeth the same things. Can I just tell you that I am a sinner saved by the grace of God? Can I just tell you that every day of my life I sin somewhere in my walk, in my talk, in my thoughts? Amen. I mean, listen, and God doesn't look at me any different than he looks at them other than I'm cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So how could I sit in judgment on somebody else? I'm not, and I won't, and I won't bring harm to someone else. Listen, it is not my responsibility to enact vengeance or retribution on someone who practices these, these lifestyles. It's my, it's my honor and my privilege and my duty to say what is right, but it is not my honor, privilege, and duty to execute judgment on somebody who is wrong. It's not. The Bible says in, in Luke 3, 4, 14, do violence to no man. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.11, let those who are saved eschew, that is despise evil and do good and seek peace and ensue it. Jesus said himself, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall see God. It is my duty as a Christian. It is my obligation as a saved person to stand on what is right, but also to love those who are, who are wrong. Yep. 
So I will not change the standard, but I will not overstep my bounds and execute vengeance or judgment on someone who was wrong. Amen. It's my job as I close. It's my job to believe this book, take it to heart, practice it, and stand on the truth of the Word of God. Now let's see the finality of when liberty becomes liberal. Go back to Romans chapter 1. We're just going to read verses 28 through 32. Here we go. Verses 28 through 32 of Romans chapter 1 says this. When liberty becomes liberal, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, that is an unapproved mind or a depraved mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them to do them they not only do these things they promote them now what I just read to you if that doesn't cover almost every sin in the world I don't know what does and it begins with that liberal view number one it's a rejection of God verse 21 number two it's given up to unclean it's given up did you notice how many times the words given up or given over were in these verses? Given up to uncleanness, verse 24. It is given up to vile affections, verse 26. It is given over to a reprobate that is a depraved mind, verse 28. They take pleasure in those who commit such deprivation, verse 32. And they push their views on the rest of the culture, verse 32. I think I just described the liberal agenda. You say, preacher, why preach this message on Thanksgiving week? Because the Bible says, righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach, a disgrace to any people. No matter what you label it, no matter what color you paint it, it's a disgrace to any people. The Bible says that the wicked shall be cast into hell and all nations that forget God. God help us as American Christian people to stand on the principles of the word of God. Here's how I want to end. The theme of the whole book of Romans is not just the sinfulness of man. The theme of the book of Romans is justification by faith. That is that no matter, how, no matter what you think, what your philosophies has been, no matter your rejection of God, no matter what sins you've practiced, if you'll come to Jesus Christ, trust Him, believe Him, accept what He says is true, embrace Him, embrace His Word, embrace His Spirit, if you'll do that, every sin you've ever committed can be washed away. Amen. Oh, what a beautiful God. What a wonderful God. The sinfulness of all humanity. 
whether you, you say, preacher, did Jesus die for the homosexual? Yes, he did. Did Jesus die for that precious mother who got mixed up in this social world and, and somehow believed her baby was an embryo and she aborted that precious child? Did Jesus die for that? Yes, he did. Did Jesus die for the most wicked, vile, corruptible sins that man can dream up? Yes, he did. What I'm saying to you this morning is that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse every stain. The blood of Jesus Christ can wash away every sin, justify every sinner. The blood of Jesus Christ can redeem all of humanity. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I wonder this morning, is there one in this building and you've never come to Christ? You don't know Him as your personal Savior. I want to invite you to Jesus Christ this morning. I don't want to invite you to a political view. God forbid. I don't want to invite you to a church. God forbid. I want to invite you to the Lord Jesus. This book is about Christ. This book is about redemption. This book is about the long suffering and the grace of our God. Maybe there's one here and you're lost. You don't know Christ. I want to invite you to come right now. We're not going to sing. I'm not going to have a long invitation. I want you to come to Jesus Christ right now, would you? He loves you. He'll receive you with open arms. He'll forgive you of all your sin, cleanse you in his blood, receive you into the family of God. Would there be one now that would move? I'm going to end the invitation quickly. The only hope you have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The only hope you have for eternity certainly is not in a political party. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Certainly it's not in living a righteous lifestyle because you can't and I can't. It takes Jesus to live it through us.